Good morning, church. My name is Pastor Scott. So glad to have you here with us as we continue in a series called What Disciples Do. Today we'll talk around this value of grow, I'm sorry, of go, uh, that we learn more about God's heart for us as we participate in his mission in the world. Uh, it's also a special day. It's our seventh birthday. We uh, launched seven years ago today, so I'm profoundly grateful uh, for those of you new to the church that continue to allow us to be a light in this community uh, and especially grateful this morning for the, the dozens of you that have created this church from the very beginning uh, through many, many hours of labor for this uh, church, its children, its facilities. We wouldn't be here without you. So let's pray and hear from the Lord this morning. Father God, thank you so much for the gift of your scripture. We pray now, Lord, that as we open the scriptures, that you would open our hearts, that you would teach us and lead us and move us into disciples that are that are going into new relationships, Lord, into new places that were formerly hopeless. Lord, into all the world, you tell us, even into our neighborhood, into our jobs. May you embody us so that as we step out in faith, you may shine your light into this world. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. And all God's people said, amen. What Disciples Do. What Disciples Do is the series. Today, the value is go. It's the third, uh, third sermon in the series. We'll conclude next week. Your alternate title this week, because these haven't been very creative, your alternate title is Don't Miss the Moment. Don't Miss the Moment. This message about go uh, is an important one for our community today. Recently, there was an article in The Atlantic by writer Larry Alex Taunton. It's an article about new atheism. And Larry Alex Taunton writes for The Atlantic, but he, uh, he leads a nationwide campaign to advocate for Christ in the midst of a world quickly becoming post-Christian. And so Larry Alex Taunton, in his, in his review in The Atlantic, or I'm sorry, in his article in The Atlantic called The New Atheism, he started a, a research project around atheists at college campuses around the country. Now there's a growing wave of atheism programs in universities around the country, uh, organizations like Secular Student Alliance or Free Thought Society. These college groups are atheist equivalents to Campus Crusade. They gather they, they, they proselytize around atheism. Uh, they're actively working against the belief in God. And so Larry Alex Totten treated them with dignity. He wanted to learn more about atheism in college uh, context in America. And so they did this research project about tell us your journey to unbelief. And surprisingly, as they reached out to hundreds of atheists in college campuses around the country around this question, tell us your journey to unbelief, uh, they, they were surprised at what they found. A, the atheists wanted to talk and tell their story, and B, many of them came from church contexts. Many of the atheism now working towards, you know, this proselytism of, of more atheism, they came from previously Christian contexts. So many college atheists, Taunton writes, had this profile. They had attended church, and they felt their churches offered superficial answers to life's difficult questions, and they expressed uh, their respect for ministers who actually took the Bible seriously, uh, but for many of them, they found that Christians did not take Jesus seriously. Also interesting to note in the research around this question, tell us your journey to unbelief with these new atheists, is that ages 14 to 17 were particularly decisive because it's so important for a youth to see a community living the mission of Jesus Christ. That's why tonight when our youth group, Bethany North, launches tonight, 
Reach Youth Group 6 to 8 tonight, launching where this church started seven years ago, and dozens of 6th through 12th graders tonight gather around the Word of God and around fun to proclaim Jesus, we celebrate and we see the harmony that on our seventh birthday, the Reach starts tonight is phenomenal because these new atheists, particularly ages 14 to 17, is when they, their Christian faith kind of broke. Said one new atheist, uh, Michael from Dartmouth, says, I really can't consider a Christian a good moral person if he isn't trying to convert me. This is interesting. Michael continues, Christianity is something, and if you really believed it, it would change your life. And you would want to change the lives of others. I haven't seen too much of that. Interesting and fascinating. New atheists in this growing wave around the country and college campuses that are looking at the church and our inability to go in the name of Jesus, our inability and our fear at times to go into all the world making disciples of, of all men and women. It's our fear. Sometimes we think, oh, we're being respectful. But for, for many new atheists, it's the silence of the church and its inability to go that's actually fueling a disengagement with the faith itself. Because the reality as, as disciples that we are made to go. We're going to look at that today. And, and this lack of going has, has caused a lot of people in America to, to lose faith. And so the reality this morning is Jesus' disciples are called to go. And this morning, I've got just some primary values. I want to celebrate. I want to educate. I want to inspire us to think all of us in the room are called on this mission of go into all the world making disciples of all people. We're all disciple makers. We're all on a mission of go. And many of us are in the room are already doing. So this would be an encouragement to continue your work outside the church, to continue your work inside the church. And some of you this morning may be inspired. It's time. It's time for me to not miss the moment and step into service for God in this world. And so today, as we kind of come around this third value, real disciples gather. Church matters. We miss you when you're not here. It was the first thing we taught in this series. We need each other. Secondly, real disciples grow in relationship. And so when we grow, it means we need something outside of Sunday to fuel my faith. A Bible study, a primary Christian relationship, a connect group, something. And then today, real disciples go. That they actively speak Jesus' name into every context that we walk. And we volunteer with our time and our tithes and our treasures. And so our big idea this morning, our today we're going to learn about this third value of growing disciples, and a value we called go, as God's people, we are made by God in order to do good works to bring God the glory. This is the message from Ephesians 2. Let's look at the first point of our outline, everybody's on the mission. This is from Ephesians 2, you just heard it read for you, everybody's on the mission. And it's interesting to study the words of Jesus that in each of the four Gospels, Jesus has a command for his disciples, go, go. Matthew 28 says, you know, go into all the world, making disciples. As you go, it's an imperative in the Greek language that we go into the world. It's not even a question. Jesus says, if you're my people, you go. This is what it looks like. Mark has it a little bit differently. Step out and preach God to all of creation. This is who you are, and so uh, this is what we need to do. Continue to, to step out, to go, 
to see our life lived where I'm speaking about Jesus. Yeah, I work at Amazon, or I'm at home in this season with my kids, or I'm taking care of an elderly parent, but every day I take on a mantle that my job is, is, is to, to start with this. This is who I am. We've been created to join God on a mission of telling others about him. We've been created by God to, to, to be on a mission. So let's start with our primary identity here. This is who you are. This is who you are. We are God's beloved people that were made in order for God to pour his glory into us. Ephesians 2, you just heard it. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's a gift of God. That's the first part that we need to understand, that this is our identity, that this is who we are. And for many of us, we wake up in the morning, and before the caffeine is even taken effect, we're taking our cues from somewhere other than God himself. We're checking into Fox News or CNN or Huffington Post, wherever is your source of, of truth in the world. We're, we're, we're logging into Facebook and Instagram. We're, we're looking for connection. We're, we're, from the moment we wake up, we're bombarded that we're actually someone else's and that our life must be lived in reaction to some other truth. Something happening in Korea or from our president or something in our culture. And from the moment many of us wake up, we're just, boom, we're in reaction mode. But if we actively believe the word of God is present in our lives, we need to, to take on this mantle, to put on, a, put on this, you know, kind of a robe around ourselves. I am created by God. For by his grace and mercy, he saved me. I need to be reminded of that to counteract the, mas- the messages from society that I am someone else's or my life might be lived in reaction to something else's. This happened very real time for me this week where anxiety all summer long, momentum, joy, you know, just security. And in the last week, I've been feeling bombarded. Do you ever feel like that? Where you're just feeling bombarded? Like where you're feeling stressed and anxious and, and like literally, I, you know, I mean, like I won't even go into it, but I felt like, I feel like I'm under attack. I feel like the world is trying to tell me I don't measure up, that my church doesn't measure up, that my gifts don't measure up. And, it, and, and I'm like, where did this even come from? And so I have a choice. I can react from there into more fear, more shame, more anxiety, or I can step into the mantle that I am the beloved of God. And so in the midst of feeling inadequate and feeling under attack, I'm just like, I don't know what to do. This doesn't feel good. I'm just going to read the scriptures. And then I didn't feel like it, because I actually never feel like it, but I ran around my neighborhood and I prayed. And I'm like, God, I don't know why I'm feeling so poorly. This isn't even helping in the moment, but I'm going to continue to take my cues from you because it doesn't make sense for me to take my cues from the world. And do you know what happens We start to be anchored in the truth. Oh yeah, I am a child of God. This is who I am. I I don't need to take my cues from from this outsider that's trying to speak negativity in my life or, or this conflict. No, I need to take my cues from the great high king. This is the reality that we've been created to join God on a mission. This is who I am. And I will tell you, friends, as we get into this doing and going, and there's postcards, we need to stop, okay? We stop, because part of my job today is to inspire you to participation into God's great mission, including the work of this church. 
We fully hope and expect that dozens of you say, I haven't been able to participate in the work of the church on a Sunday, but I'm ready to jump in. But let me back up a step. Because I had this conversation with this dear woman this week. And she said, you know, Scott, I did this stuff. And, and I, I went, and I, 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 you know, I'm not going to get into it because it's her story. But she said, I did everything I was supposed to do. And, and I went, and I was feeling so sad. Because I'm not entirely sure I've ever felt loved by God. And so this is a real danger for people that have been disciples for a while. Because we've, we've gone. We've done. We've spoken. We've prayed for others. We've done the deal. All of it has to be a reaction to who I am is a child of a most high king. And no matter what happens after that, I have to start from that. Or else I'll be stepping out not in God's strength, but my own. And we will never make it on our own strength. And so our job as disciples is to be anchored in this truth day by day by day. Yes, I'm called into a mission. Yes, I'm, I'm supposed to be speaking about Jesus. But first and foremost, my identity needs to be, I'm a child of the great high king. We have to hear those words. You are loved. Michelle, you are loved. And if you don't hear that first from the Lord, everything else you do will be missed. Okay, you're loved. Julie, you're loved by God. Everything else, second. You have to get to a place of crowding out the world and remembering that. Okay? Ruth, you're loved by God. And I can just, I can hold the mirror up, but you have to hear the words of your Savior saying it each and every day. Because the world will want you to forget It'll want you to forget. No, we are called his. This is who we are. And so for Jesus' best friends, there was no doubt. He had gathered them. He had spoken peace over their shame. He had brought them back into fellowship even when they failed him. And from that place, around the fire, around Galilee, he says, you already know you're my people. You know that nothing you could do could forsake. Like, you've done it. You've turned from me, and I still love you. And now, go into all the world. But see, if we get the going without the identity piece, we'll never make it. And we'll be busy, and we'll be guilty, and we'll feel shame, and we'll say, enough with it. But your king this morning needed you to be reminded, he loves you. He made you. You have Christ in you if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is where we start. And then from that place, this is what you'll do. As God's people then, or as John 20 says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Mark 16, you're called to preach to all of creation. Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The reconciling power of the gospel from the beginning. Jesus says, you'll do it in your hometown, and you'll even do it in Samaria with people that look different than you. And you'll go all the way to the edge of the world because there's these people in Shoreline, Washington, that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been, you've been accepted, you've been loved, you've been created, and now Jesus says, go. 
This is what we'll do. This is, as Hebrews 11 says, this is faith in action that we are God's people in order to do great works to bring him the glory. We are sent. And we need to be reminding one another. So I want you to turn to the person next to you, even if you don't know them, and just say these words to them. Say, you are sent. Turn to someone around you, next to you, and say, you are sent. And then you can ask him this question. You can ask him this question. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Okay, it's a question. It's a statement. You are sent. This is what it means to be on this go journey, that we're speaking Jesus' name in our actions, in our words, in, in a Seattle context. You want to make a difference. You want to feed the homeless. Welcome to Seattle. Everybody does. That doesn't make the church unique. We are not called to be just another social service agency. The one thing that we have that's different than the world, we have Jesus. We have Jesus. And so we speak Jesus' name. And when our neighbors are hurting, we can say, I brought you a meal because Jesus loves you. And we invite people to community. We say, this is who Jesus is. He lives in me, and he wants you to know this is who you are. This is what you'll do. This is the legacy of Bethany Community Church. We're 101 years old. Do you know how this church started? It was this inspiration to go. A bunch of disciples in Ballard, Washington, started an outreach to Native Americans at a time when nobody was doing that. Native Americans were treated with no dignity in Seattle, but this church, Bethany, the legacy was, we'll go cross-culturally to people that look different than us. We will repair in order to preach the gospel. That was the legacy of this church. Or how about in the 50s when, when they moved, when Bethany moved to the property now around Green Lake and disciples gathered young couples in their 20s and 30s mortgaged their home to loan the money to the church to buy a building because they were so inspired by the work of Bethany in the city of Seattle. Let's go. Or how about seven years ago this day when a bunch of you, you were there. I mean, there was a trailer and we had a video feed, and I'm pretty sure there was a guy with a guitar. We had t-shirts, and we just said, hey, let's start a church, because the church can't be half an hour from our homes. No, it's got to be in the community. That was the legacy of this church. One of the many things that I want to say this morning is for those of you that were there seven years ago, six years ago, five years ago, thank you. Thank you for how you've participated in what God's done here. This is not my story. It's not a staff story. It's a people's story. We said the church is not a building, though that could work. If you've got one on your hands, we'll talk. The church is a people. So be the church, we said. We say, come to church and be the church. This is who you are. This is what you'll do. This is what participation in this family looks like. I have four kids and a fifth in heaven. Four kids. I am fiercely loyal to them. I try to show up when I can. I coach soccer. I make breakfast. I try to orient it. Like, I want them to know that my love puts me in action. So I pray with them every night. And we just say, this is, like, you're a son. I anoint them with that. I, I put the mantle on them. And I say, as a son, we, we, we gather on Sundays. We go to church. We pray together at meals. We tithe out of your allowance. We give back to God's mission in the world. This is what it means to be a son, and we have to live it out. We have to live the rhythm of discipleship in our homes. And then I also say, you're a son. Now get to work. Like, hey, right? I mean, you're part of my family. 
So the other day, you know, there's four kids. They're in the living room. They're watching TV or something. I'm doing the dishes, and I freak out. I'm like, stop. I'm not the maid here, all right? Like, no, you are part of this family, so come on in. You're going to do dishes. You're going to clean up the living room. You're going to put shoes away. We participate in the home because you're valued here. So the love is real. It's undeniable. Nothing they could do could, could, could remove their love from me, and yet I call them to participating. This is what the faith is. This is your identity. Now step into it and go into all the world, making disciples of all people. Let's look at the second point of our outline here. The second point is that the problem isn't the people don't want to hear. The problem is the people don't go. And this comes from Luke 2, verses 3, uh, 2, 3. This is where uh, Jesus speaks about the Lord of the harvest. Look at Luke 2. Luke 2 says this. I'm sorry, it's Luke 10. Luke 10, verses 2 and 3. Luke 10, uh, the Lord appoints 72 others and sent them two by two to every town and place where he's about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Go. You're called to go, says Jesus. And this is the, the problem, isn't that people don't want to hear in our world. It's that oftentimes as believers, we don't go. Like there's no doubt about it that people are hungry for the hope of Jesus Christ. And oftentimes we look at a hungry world and we can become paralyzed. Where do we even start? Where do we even start? There's so much need in the world. And so we, we get overwhelmed or we struggle with a lack of confidence. And so this is why it's really, really important that we can say, hey, what go looks like for me in this season is one or two specific things. Because we don't want to be busy. We can't commit to 20 things. We just pick one or two with an outside service or agency or volunteering in a kid's classroom or really actively being a blessing in my neighborhood or participating in the life in church and volunteering on a Sunday. We don't have to change the world with, with 100 obligations. We need just one or two things that we can kind of concretely know that when I get overwhelmed or I'm struggling with lack of confidence that I am living life on mission because we live in a hungry world. There's a poet from Whidbey Island. His name is David White. He has this poem, it's called, What Feeds You? White writes this, he says, this is not the age of information. This is not the age of information. Forget the news and the radio and the blurred screen. This is the time of loaves and fishes. People are hungry. And one good word is bread for a thousand. That's amazing. The title of the poem is, What Feeds You? Because as you step out into mission, into God's great world and speak about Jesus Christ both verbally and in our actions, it will feed you. Or as Jesus says in Luke 10, the harvest is plentiful. We have a hungry, hungry world. It begs the question, two questions here. I want to just answer quickly here before we continue. Why don't we go more? Why don't, like as a church, if, if new atheists are reacting against an inability of the church to really step out of mission in Jesus' name, why don't we go? I think, number one, there's, it's a self-consciousness, self-consciousness problem. Or we're self-conscious. It's a problem of who am I? Who am I to speak about Jesus in my workplace? Who am I to speak of Jesus? Who am I to even volunteer at church? Who am I? And maybe it's, it's a previous sin 
that you're just feeling held captive by. Who am I? I, I mean, I, I'm unable to be the light of Christ because of this darkness that was in my past. Friends, confess it and let it go. We, we can confess it and let it go. Maybe it's previous success. For some of us, like, well, I already served. There was that season. I was a young life leader. Man, I'm telling stories still from 10 years ago. It was life-changing. But God's calling us to active participation in every season, not doing a hundred things, but one or two things, so that my life is lived on purpose, by my priorities, on mission. And often it's previous insecurity from your youth or old age or something else. And I just want to encourage you this morning to stop the shame game. Stop the shame game that you're somehow incapable to be the light of Christ in your community. It actually is meant to flow through you. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have treasure in jars of clay so that the power is from God and not from ourselves. Do you not know in your brokenness the power of Christ is proclaimed? No one expects you to be perfect. You can let that go. In your brokenness, the light of Christ shines. And so just let go this self-consciousness problem, this who am I. And I think why we don't go number two, I think it's lack of obedience. And it turns into a problem of God, who are, who are you? Oftentimes I've heard leaders say, we need more vision, we need more vision. I'm not sure we need more vision. I think we need more obedience. We need more obedience to, to know that God is calling us to relinquish the God of our culture. You know what the God of our culture is right now? The autonomous self. My freedom, my time, my money. And Jesus is constantly counteracting that. Remember what he says to Lazarus? Lazarus, you must be born again. Or to the church, Jesus says, you have to go. That this is, you've been saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Not by yourself, but then you do works in order to bring God glory. It's how we were designed. Not out of your perfection, so stop the shame game, but in order to give God glory. Be obedient. Be obedient to what God puts in front of you. And so we need to listen. Jesus, who do you want me to speak your name to? Jesus, how do you want me to participate in your mission? We need to be listening as we pray and then obedient to take the next step. We met some leaders from Bethany with Brenda Salter McNeil. She's coming to Bethany on Monday, October 2nd to gather all six locations around this question of reconciliation and justice. She's just an amazing teacher, preacher. She's going to preach the gospel. We're meeting before with leaders from all six locations that have been having this conversation over the last six months. Really excited. I'm the leader of the initiative. So we gathered to pray with her and we stopped. We, we had a two-hour block set aside to meet with her and we all said at the beginning, there's no way it will go an actual two hours, right? Well, when three hours and we prayed it felt like about 25 percent of the time because she prays and listens to God and so we prayed and she was listening and and everyone kind of prayed out to God at the end she said you know you all think I'm I'm wise and you all think I'm brave and really I'm just obedient she says I'm obedient to what God wants to do in me we need to be more obedient as God's people to go into all the world and to grow disciples by how we speak about Jesus, how we participate in his mission. That brings us to our third point. How? How will we do that? I have this really, uh, it's a tough section to teach out of Matthew 21, we, around this question of, of how. Look at Matthew 21. It's the parable of two sons. I think we have it behind you. I'm going to read out of Matthew 21, verse 28 through 31. Around this value of go. How are we going to actually do this? Jesus tells the story 
people were questioning his authority. And I want to tell you this morning, as you step out in participation in Jesus' mission, you will exercise his authority in your life. As you, as you volunteer in your church, as you volunteer with a service agency, as you speak Jesus, as you invite somebody to church, you're exercising Jesus' authority. And so around the question of authority, the parable of two sons, Jesus says, what do you think? There's a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. The son said, I'll not. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. And then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? This question that Jesus says is that we, we will participate in his mission. We exercise his authority as we step out in particular ability to, to, to go in his name. By declaring Jesus in our actions is how we step out. This is how we go. And Jesus says, yeah, the one that said he wasn't going to go, but he went, he, he, he's in and so as we go, that, that, that we participate in his mission, and let's just be really honest, seven years into a mobile church, it's not easy. And most of the time when we go, you're not going to be asked to preach a message. Most of the time, you're not sure if you're making a difference or not, right? It's just setting up the church on a Sunday morning. It's just holding a baby. It's making a meal for Mop's mom who's, who's you know, suffering or lonely, it's uh, inviting a neighbor who doesn't even come for the third time into your house. It's leaving flowers on a grieving co-worker's desk and saying, hey, I've been praying for you. You'll never often see the fruit of your efforts as you go. But friends, you don't need to. Because the Lord of the harvest will lead the harvest. You're just responsible for just showing up. And say, Jesus, I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to participate in what you've put in front of me in this time and place, to people in this time and place you want me to share your love to. And then, Jesus, you do the work. You, you, you bring the fruit. I'm just going to show up. And oftentimes, we put too much pressure on ourselves in Christian ministry that we're somehow supposed to be the, the Messiah. No, just keep showing up. And God will be honored, and lives are changed. And to the people that have done that in this community for seven years, I want to honor you and say thank you. Thank you for how you've served. Thank you for how you volunteered. Thank you for what you've done to create this as a home base for many. We started with 50 people. It's now a church of, of several times that. Thank you. And for others of you, like, I, I think this is my home. I want to encourage you this morning. It's time to, to join up. To say, hey, I, I'm going to participate in making this faith community my own. Because the world is watching, friends. When you show up to church, the world is watching. When you participate in the church by volunteering, the world is watching. And you won't often know the fruit of your labors, but trust the Lord of the harvest. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I mean, I remember the song, This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Right? I know that's not in key or on tune, but that doesn't matter. You don't, you don't have to worry about who receives the light. You don't have to worry about what change might happen. And if the Lord asks you to pray with somebody and be more actively involved in their salvation, well, praise Jesus. Your responsibility is just to shine. Shine the gospel of Jesus shining in here. 
And friends, I want to encourage you this morning because life is short. We have disciples even in our midst right now that are, are, are more aware of this than others that just know, hey, I, I won't necessarily have the next 60 years. I only have today. We can miss the moment thinking we might participate in the church or in, in speaking Jesus to someone else because we'll assume I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And we run the risk, friends, of missing the moment. Many of you know we, we sold our fishing lodge, the business that I've done for many years. And I was called to, to go and to help start this church and sell the business in order to go into the church. It took so many years. And we have, um, we, you know, we serve great food there, great wine. And there's, we have this wine cellar there. And today is the day, actually, my family that's up there is coming up. Like, we'll never step foot up there again. It's all over. It's done. It's a praise God moment. But there's this wine in the wine cellar. And we were always going to save this wine. Like, I, I, I've grown up. There's been bottles of wine down there from 1990. Like, special bottles and, you know, from, like, certain anniversaries. And it went down into this wine cubby. And, I mean, literally, for, for, for my, you know, last, you know, decades, I've, I've seen this wine. Lower right cubby. I can tell you what it looks like. I can tell you what it smells like down there, you know. But we never drank it. We never drank it because it wasn't time. It wasn't, it wasn't. I mean, no matter celebration, new baby, uh, new church, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't the time. And so the wine just sat there in the cellar year after year, decade after decade. Two weeks ago, I went up to pack up my belongings as we closed down the resort. My father and I gathered for the last evening in our home, the last time we'd set foot on the property. Very emotional experience. We said, it's time. So we went down and we, you know, we got all these wine bottles out. We weren't going to drink them all, but we were just looking for, well, no, I'm sorry. You know, I thought, like, we were just going to drink one. And we pulled all this wine out, cobwebs, and, you know, the, many of them, the labels had fallen. Oh, this one's, you know, 30 years old. This one's 25 years old. And we started to pull them open one by one. Uh, that, that cork doesn't look right. That color's all off. We pour it. Vinegar. We'll open the next one. I mean, we, we've, waited, we've waited forever for this. We waited forever to celebrate this. Open the next one. Same thing. The next one. Same thing. Every bottle was gone. California wine. You know, 30 years and it was, it was gone. We missed it. And friends, I will tell you, confessionally, there's moments I missed in my calling during that season as the fishing lodge manager. Because I was, I was waiting for a different time to tell my staff about Jesus. I, I felt convicted to lead some of our staff meetings with a prayer. But I wanted to be respectful to people's difference. I sat on my light many times out of fear. I kept the wine in the rack thinking at another time that I might be more of a light in that context. And on that evening I had profound regret. Jesus, I could have done more in this time and space. Friends, don't miss the moment. Don't believe that your life right now in this time and space, in your singleness, in your early kidness, in your, in your uh, elderliness, in whatever context you're in, don't believe that later on you'll be a blessing to others in the name of Jesus Christ. The time is now. And life is short. And every day is a gift. And we live in hungry, hungry times. So may you go. And may you know that Jesus is calling you to participate in his great mission in the world. And may you speak his name with boldness and confidence to hungry people around you. And may this be a church that lives this value of go. They believe this truth of Jesus, and so they live their life in active participation. 
going into all the world, making disciples of all people. Let me pray for us now. Father God, thank you so much for this reminder this morning from your scriptures that what disciples do is we go. And we thank you for what that looks like in our outside organizations, our friends in Rwanda and Costa Rica and Nicaragua and Honduras that this church is actively partnering with. We thank you for the dozens of missionaries that are in the field even this morning that have taken this mantle and they're out there. May they not feel alone and discouraged. But Lord Jesus, would you remind us that we are the new missionary force, that every one of us in this room is called in this time, in this place, in this context to be a blessing to others. Lord Jesus, may we go in your name and not wait for the next year or decade or or some other time to come that you're calling us even now to go. Would you remind us that we understand more of your love for us as we participate in your mission in this great world. Stir us up, Lord. Stir us up to participation. If that looks like participation on a Sunday morning, then praise Jesus. May they check the green card and, and step into volunteering one Sunday a month or two Sundays a month. Lord, if it looks like going into some other context, some other parachurch organization, as young life leaders, as as tutors, as mentors, praise Jesus. Lord Jesus, would you anoint and disciple these men and women to be on a mission in your name. In your great name we pray, amen. As we close in a song, we're gonna take a moment to pray. I'm convicted that as a church that we do a lot of talking, But Jesus calls us to be people of prayer. And so we're going to take maybe an awkwardly long time, but 20, 30 seconds. We're just going to, in just a moment, we're just going to pray. We know that it's not a matter of who is called. We're all called. We know it's not a matter of if we're called. We're We're all disciples. We're all sitting on a mission. As you pray this morning, I want you to ask two questions. Where am I called to exhibit Christ this season? Where am I called? Is it participating in this church on Sunday mornings? Is it some other opportunity Jesus has put in front of me? Where am I called right now? And secondly, I want you to be praying about whom are you being sent? And I'm going to ask with boldness this morning as you pray that the Lord Jesus would speak and you'd have the courage to obey. And that God would put somebody on your heart, even this morning, that you're meant to be Jesus too. Somebody that you're supposed to invite to church next week. Somebody that you're supposed to email or text an encouragement. Tell them they're not alone in the season. We have so many friends who've left the church, who have left Jesus. I want you to to pray, where are you being called? And secondly, whom are you being sent? And we're just going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Spirit to be really heavy in this room, speaking to you, disciples, hearing for yourself the Word of God in your life, and then we'll close in song. So let's bow our heads now as God's people, and let's pray silently and listen. Where and whom? Where? and whom.